1: Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. My name is Becky Olson. I'm a three-time, 20-year breast cancer survivor. I'm a professional speaker and the author of The Hat That Saved My Life.
2: Hi, I'm Sharon Hennepin. I'm a 22 year breast cancer survivor, a certified life coach, and the author of my upcoming book, Thriving Beyond Cancer. We're also the co founders of Breast Friends. And um, today, our topic is rather provocative. Um, there's been a lot of talk about the use of medical marijuana or cannabis as an integrative medicine for cancer patients.
1: And our guest today is Donna Shields. Donna is the co-founder of the Holistic Cannabis Network, which is an online and holistic-focused cannabis education training platform, and it's specifically for health professionals, caregivers, and patients. And she's here to help us sort out some of those facts from myths that are kind of being discussed out there in the world of medical cannabis uh, and as it relates to the treatment of cancer. Welcome, Donna. We're so excited to have you today. Yay. <laughs> well, thank you. This is a topic that is very near and dear to my heart,
3: um having been a breast cancer thriver myself, so I'm I'm delighted to be here to talk about this very important topic.
1: Well, and Donna, before we get into your to the how you got involved in this, tell us about I love that term thriver, you know, rather than just most most people call themselves a survivor. Tell us about being a thriver. What's that mean to you?
3: Well, you know, I feel like I came out of this uh, a lot smarter um, uh, after having gone through um, the trials and tribulations of of, of treatment, and for me, my, my life is great, and I'm one of the fortunate ones that um, had, comparatively speaking, um, a fairly easy time of it in terms of treatment. I managed to escape chemotherapy, but... Um, I, I think this is an opportunity, really, for people to change their lifestyle. Um, of course, uh, since I'm, all re- I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist, so my my career and my personal practices are really woven together. But but even so, it's it's quite an, uh, a blow when you when you get that
1: diagnosis. It's it's right oh, I know. Yeah, it kind of comes out of the blue sometimes and sort of throws us off into left field somewhere. So absolutely. <laughs> So tell us about Holistic Cannabis Network and how you got involved in that. Well, it really was
3: um, uh, sort of the, uh, the outcome of my uh, cancer diagnosis. I started looking at and researching alternative options uh, beyond the conventional uh, surgery, radiation, et cetera, and uh, combined with my colleague and longtime friend, Laura Logano, who is also a highly trained integrative clinical nutritionist, and she has a daughter with special needs. So the two of us had these very personal experiences, and I think that's what really leads people to change. You, you have to have something very personal happen to, to lead you down a certain path. Uh, so Laura and I, as health practitioners, we looked around and we said, you know, medical cannabis, there's science to support it. There's great therapeutic use. And yet, we find our colleagues, other practitioners, know nothing about this topic. So, we decided to launch the Holistic Cannabis Network, which um, encompasses a number of things, but primarily our goal is to educate and empower uh, both the health practitioner as, as well as the patient themselves.
1: I think well, that's
2: amazing. Yeah, it
1: really <laughs> is. Go ahead, Sharon.
2: Oh, I was just going to say, there seems to be two camps, you know, it's like, you know, you're, a, you know, from the person like me, who's who's not been a smoker um, uh, of marijuana, um, you know, it's like, oh, those guys are stoners, right? You know, and <laughs> and then the other people, they're like, yeah, you know, it's, it's good for you. It relaxes you, you know, it does all these different things. And so I love just learning about the medical piece of this. Puzzle because um, you're right. There's just not enough information, and people are, you know, I don't know. They're totally misinformed. I think on this on this yeah. Topic, and so
1: they really are. And Don, I want to share with you a little experience I had just a couple of days ago, and it was weird. I was on a conference call with some people that I love and respect tremendously. And you know, they were out, one of the gals on the call was asking me about the radio show. How's it going? We're so excited for you. And I really tried to encourage people to you know call and you know listen in on on the live show. And she says, "Great, what's your show about Friday?" And I said, "It's about medical marijuana." And she goes, "Oh, well, maybe we'll listen to a different one." And I was kind of <laughs> taken back by that. Yeah. I thought, "Oh, well, now wait a minute, you know." The, so she's falling into one of those camps that Sharon just mentioned, and and if she's not. I mean, she's like would never touch the stuff but you know she doesn't understand it like a lot of people don't they just hear that word and they just assume it's an excuse well, it's, or it's whoever's a perception you know?
3: problem i mean it absolutely is a perception that has been with us for decades and decades and that is our uphill battle is changing the mindset and yeah. we actually did an article not too long ago that was published in Huffington Post and it's titled What's up with canophobia? And that's the term that we use. People just have this fear of cannabis because they don't understand it.
2: Yeah, it's completely true. Um, I was so interesting because I had the opportunity when I was getting interested in this topic um, to go to uh, one of the stores that's right here in in Tigard. um, And uh, I called the gentleman up, made an appointment with the manager so he could educate me. Because I really was completely uninformed. And I'm thinking, how can this, you know, if this is going to make you high, you know, what, what's all that about, you know, and how can that help from a medical perspective? And he explained the differences of the different strands. So I'd really love for you to, you know, talk about that a little bit right up front so people understand what we're talking about with the CBDs versus the THC.
3: Right. Well, it is a complex... Uh- Subject and we can't cover everything, but what what is important for people to understand on a very broad level is that you can use medical cannabis therapeutically without getting high. That that absolutely is an option for people, and it depends on number one the strain that you may be choosing, and it depends on the THC. Component. Now THC is what most people know about. That's the psychoactive component and it does have therapeutic value. There are many what are called cannabinoids in the plant. Hundreds. However, many of them haven't really been well studied, but the ones that we do know the most about are THC and another one that probably folks have heard the term CBD or the full name is called cannabidiol. So these are the two that we hear most often and we know the most about them. And so CBD is a non-psychoactive constituent of the plant and it too has medical use. Now, most researchers will tell you that a ratio of both of these is optimal. Now, again, oh, depending God. on your, you know, your needs, um, different strains offer different ratios, and offer different therapeutic benefits. So this truly is something that involves a lot of trial and error. And that's if if there's nothing else people take away from this today, is to understand that this is a very personalized use of medicine. The dosage is very personalized, one size and one amount does not fit all.
2: Okay, that, yeah, makes, that sense. makes
1: sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. it does. So, what are you finding is kind of what is going on in the US landscape for this? I mean, how are people starting to accept this, or are they? I mean, I know we talked about education, but what, what is, what's going on here in this country with this? Well, right
3: now, you know, we have 25 states that have approved um, medical marijuana use, and we have another 17 states that have some sort of law that allow for the use of this high CBD, low THC product, which I just alluded to. So clearly Uh this is steamrolling across the country and there is legislation pending uh, this year, next year. Of course, all eyes right now are on California who has had medical marijuana for years and they will vote in November whether or not to legalize it what's called recreationally or adult mm-hmm. use. And just by virtue of California's huge size, that's, that's going to be another important indicator. But we are finding that as the science becomes uh, more available, that lawmakers are paying attention. And quite frankly, you know, change comes from the bottom up. It doesn't come from the doctor's. It comes from the patients and the people who really need this, and they are the ones clamoring for change. And little by little, state by state, we are seeing these changes um, come come into play. And and I I couldn't be more more pleased about it. It just I wish we could go faster, but it is happening. <laughs>
1: Uh, well, that's good. Oregon has has both. has passed both. We have medical marijuana and recreational use, and I know sometimes there's there's a line there because sometimes I believe here, Sharon, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, didn't didn't Mayor Cook tell us that they can actually sell and sell both out of one dispensary, but there has to be a clear division with a separate doorway and all that stuff. So, I mean, they're really trying to keep it. Oh, it's
2: very, yeah, it's very regulated in Oregon, even though it's, you know, both. But the funny part is, it's actually the medical part that, that we can't see. If you don't have a medical marijuana card or cannabis card, you can't even see the oils and the lotions and the, and the um, edibles and those kinds of things. I, I couldn't even see those. She, he couldn't even demonstrate or or show or or even l- let me look at a counter of them. It Seriously, was just straight, I didn't yeah, that. yeah. Wow, it was crazy. Well, so, it, so it is. It you know,
3: and the thing is, it varies state by state. This is really something that, depending on where you live, the the law varies. The qualifying conditions for which you could get a, a medical marijuana card vary. So this is truly a patchwork across the country. So the patient really has to do their homework and find out what's the law, what's the regulation in my state. Might I qualify to get a medical marijuana card for my particular condition? And even in terms of the products that are sold, you know, New York is a good example. They have a medical marijuana law. But it doesn't include the sale of any actual raw flower or bud product. So it, it's, it's truly all over the board. It really <laughs> it <varies>. really
2: is. <laughs> and <laughs> And of course, then you throw the whole federal stuff in it, you know, which which is causing problems with, you know, using banks. and I mean, you know, there's just so many little things that need to be sorted out. so i I would hope that maybe we'll just have an overall, Law changed federally, so everything can kind
1: of be more, I don't know, more the same or more
2: what we
3: are hoping that those of us that are in the industry is that um, marijuana will become what's called descheduled. Right now, it is a schedule one drug in the same category as heroin,
1: which is oh, pretty my. ridiculous. And so, be, because I did not know the, that, I thought it. Yeah, I thought so, that changed a long time ago. Wow. No, <laughs> no,
3: weird. and that is why it is a, considered a federally illegal product. So now mm-hmm. the states have overridden that in in a in a patchwork of ways. But therein lies the problem, obviously, with federal banking. Um, and and therein lies people's fears still that they feel there will be, um. You know, some criminal repercussions. So it really just depends on where you live and what's allowable at this point in
1: time.
2: Okay. Well, that's, that's
1: awesome. You know, we've only got a couple minutes until our break, but let's get, let's kind of switch gears here and, and talk a little bit. I know Sharon's got a couple questions for you, and we probably won't get knee deep into it, but we'll pick it up on the other side of the break if we don't. But Sharon, yeah. I know you had a question about using cannabis as part of integrative medicine. Why don't you, why don't you guys talk well, yeah, about that?
2: Yeah. Exactly. You know, just when when's a good time for a patient to look at these alternatives, would you say, Donna?
3: Well, I think at the very beginning, as you're thinking about what your care plan is going to be, and you're making these huge choices, um, and you have to learn about uh, not only conventional options of surgery and chemotherapy and radiation, but also Think and learn about all of the other healing modalities that are available. For myself, I know that for me it was critical to incorporate a really aggressive ketogenic diet. I was doing Reiki, acupuncture, yoga. To me, those things were as equally as important as the more conventional treatments that I was taking. So I would say, you know, lay out your game plan at the beginning and really decide what What are all the modalities that you're going to put into your treatment plan, and cannabis may or may not be the right one for you, but it should be just one tool of many in a holistic healing
1: program. Great, well. I think that's great. Donna, when we come back from break, um, I would really love to pick this up on the other side. And let's talk about why why this helps. You know, what what is the whole thing behind it? So we are going to go ahead and take a short break. But before we go out, I wanted to remind our listeners that we ta- we've we talked about palliative care on the show before and how important it is in in treatment for cancer. And it's part of the care treatment. Um, And I wanted to let you all know that Regents Health Plans offers the most comprehensive palliative care benefits, providing an added layer of support when you and your family need it most. So please stay with us. We'll be back in a minute.
4: A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. Every
0: day, you hear so much about different aspects of the health and wellness field. One day, you hear one thing, and the next day, you hear something that contradicts what you heard the day before. How do you know what's right? Try tuning in to The Cutting Edge of Health and Wellness today with Dr. Neil Nathan. Our goal is to educate and explore this field with guest experts in order to help you take control of your health and well-being. Listen Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today.
3: Opinions, options, answers.
4: Voice America Health and Wellness.
0: You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show.
2: Welcome back to our program. We've been talking about medical cannabis with Donna Shields. She's the co-founder of Holistic Cannabis Network. So let's kind of uh, jump right back in where we were. Let's talk about what cannabis can actually
3: be used for for a a, a cancer patient? Sure. And that really falls into two categories. One would be managing symptoms of other treatments. And then the the other area to take a look at is um, some of the science that's coming out showing uh, the use of CBD and actually um, reducing tumor growth. In terms of uh... symptom management you know our bodies have something called the endocannabinoid system and and it's really a system that exists through every mammal has it 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 really maintains homeostasis in our bodies and so certainly with treatments like chemotherapy where nausea pain um... loss of appetite not to mention the anxiety uh... that goes along with the diagnosis in general All of these are real-life symptoms that that have to be managed as best as possible. And cannabis seems to do a pretty good job of working on on all of these problems. Now, cannabis is a great anti-inflammatory. This is a plant medicine. And so like many other herbal medicines, it has an anti-inflammatory property. And so that's one of the reasons why we find that it can be very effective in managing pain, we, we have these CB receptors throughout our body. Uh, a lot of them are in the brain and, and many of them are, are in the gut. Um, they're, they're in other areas, but, but we have um, these cannabinoid receptors, um, really heavy duty in, in the gut and the brain. So we find that um, cannabis works really well on those receptors in managing pain. Of course, it tends to be an ap- appetite st- stimulant. So for people that are battling with nausea, it can be very useful in trying to regain some some appetite. And, and it's very good at quelling nausea, as is um, things like ginger and some other herbal re- remedies. And so I, I really want people to think of this as not that much different than other herbal medicines that you may take, like valerian root or ashwagandha, or holy basil, or turmeric. You know, it it, it is a plant that has medicinal properties.
2: That's
1: amazing. Yeah. You know, and that is a that's a good way to look at it too, because I think a lot of people do associate this completely with the drug that you smoke to get high. But to your point, most of the herb, herbal things and supplements that we take, they are herbs. They come from plant growth. And so looking at it that way kind of puts a new spin on it, I hope, for a lot of people. So thank you for, for sharing Absolutely. that.
2: I think that's and, amazing. And I, should,
1: I also
3: you know, should mention that people need to realize there are many other ways besides smoking to use cannabis. We have tinctures that you can put under your tongue. We have edibles. Um, We have topicals for people that have joint pain. So there's many other different formats, vaporizers. So there's a whole world of delivery methods that can also be explored.
1: Right. That's wonderful. Right. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, because I've
2: never been a smoker, and that just, just, you know, just didn't ever set well with me. So that makes so much sense if you can have um, the the effects, the healing effects of, of this, but not have to smoke it. That that would
1: make me happy you <laughs> if know, I, I, ever I need to, this again. I have to share something kind of cute. My mom, she passed away in March, but... Way back when I was first diagnosed in back in nineteen ninety-six. She's so cute. She she has she goes, Becky, you'll never ever hear me say this again, but I think you should consider smoking some marijuana. <laughs> she actually she said the that to you. She one. said that. Yes, oh, she said that so to me. She goes, You've never heard it before and you'll never hear it
2: again. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, it so, was really So hard. So how can patients um, help educate their practitioners if this is something they want to look into?
3: Well, most physicians, you know, the first question they ask is, well, are there large-scale clinical trials that have been done? And the answer to that is going to be no, um, for the most part. There are, however, many trials in progress right now, I should add, here in the U.S. Traditionally, however, we look at studies with animal models, in vitro studies, and there is a wealth of studies that exist going back for decades. This is not new news. There has been good science available on this, and I would suggest to patients who are trying to bring their physician... Up to speed is to be able to go and do the legwork yourself to find some of these studies. You go online to pubmed.gov. There are tons of research studies from peer reviewed journals. And I had just done some research on this myself last week. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at studies starting back from 2005 and as current as 2015 that are from um, journals like you know Mo- molecular cancer Th- therapeutics, um, you know the Journal of Medicinal Ch- Chemistry. These are not fringe publications, and there is work in there where studies have been done with cannabidiol or the CBD um, that they are getting results showing that this this constituent you know can induce programmed cell death, cell death in breast cancer cells. So we are finding in the lab that there seems to be a direct correlation here between the use of CBD and what's called apoptosis or cell death, particularly in breast cells, in, in breast ca- cancer cells. So you know every cancer is different, every cancer responds di- differently, but there there is some really good solid work uh, being done in the research arena. And I would suggest to people that, you know, you go online, you print off some of these studies, and then you go in to talk to your doctor and say, what do you think? Now, the problem becomes that there's this huge gap between what's happening in the research world and making its way into the clinician's office for treatment. Mm-hmm. Therein lies the big gap. And so <laughs> very often, you know, um, I, and, and my experience has been, and the people, because we get tons of emails and phone calls, people, consumers are saying to us, you know, my doctor doesn't know how to answer my questions. Well, no, they don't. And so that's why we're stepping in, hopefully, with this training program to really get physicians, naturopaths, um, osteopaths, acupuncturists, Massage therapists, health coaches, anyone who deals with patients on a therapeutic level, they need to know about this because this is a new frontier in medicine that is not going to go away.
2: Yeah, makes sense. So, how would a cancer patient get a medical marijuana card? Well, they
3: would need to go to a physician, and it is primary. In some states, nurse practitioners. Can write um, what's called a recommendation. It's not called a prescription. It's called a recommendation for a medical marijuana card. So you have to find a physician, most likely, uh, who is writing prescri- uh, who is writing recommendations. Going okay. to a dispensary may be one way to find who the physicians are in your area who are doing oh, okay. that kind of work. So, so that would probably be one path for somebody who's brand new to this to, to start out is to go to a dispensary and say, hey, who are the physicians in the area uh, who I could go see who are writing re- recommendations?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That makes okay. sense. Okay. okay. So if you have a physician that you love and you care about, and they obviously care about you, but they are resistant to doing this, how do you gently push back and say, you know, I really want to try this? How do you do that? You know, because I, I know as a, and as a it's cancer tricky. cancer patient, you get connected, you know, and you don't want to step do. on them. <laughs> yeah, you, so what do we do. do?
3: And I, well, and, and I mean, I have had this experience myself with diet. I, I had my surgeon literally wag his finger in front of my me and say, you will never convince me that diet has anything to do with breast cancer and or it's treatment. I'm like, well, uh, you believe what you want, but, but, but I know s- something different. So it is hard to push back. And so if there's real re- resistance from the f- physician, I mean, there's another way around it. Again, depending on where you live, there are caregivers. Caregivers are people who are, um, authorized, uh, in states to help you procure and administer Uh, the use of medical cannabis. So it could be that they themselves are authorized to be growing some plants. So that may be one way uh, to obtain access to some medical cannabis. So a caregiver is another option if
1: you can't go the physician route. Okay. Okay. So, but are you, but let me just clarify real quick, if you do end up going that route to do something supplemental and you're still working with your physician, you would certainly want your physician to know, know that you're doing that so that they can monitor effects. Would that, is that a fair statement? I think that's
3: a perfectly fair statement. They should know certainly everything that you're doing in your treatment plan.
1: Okay, I yeah, just wanted to clarify sense. that we're not saying Absolutely. be sneaky and go behind their back. We just just find it from a different source and then just make that that connection. So, you know, we have a we have a questioner a question from a listener, Vicky and I think we've already touched on it. But let me just see if you have anything to add to it. She was asking about the effectiveness of CBD and THC oils in reducing cancer term uh, tumors while undergoing chemotherapy, and is there any more you can add to that conversation we had a few minutes ago?
3: Well, only that in there. In, in addition to some of the research with mainstream uh, breast cancer cell lines, there has also been some very specific work done on triple negative breast cancer, which, as we all know, is mm. particularly tr- troublesome to, to treat. So I think for anyone who who is in that situation, you would want to certainly look into some of the very specific research um, on the use of, THC and CBD uh, as it affects uh, tumor reduction um, in triple negative breast cancer.
1: Donna, mm-hmm. do you have any resources that you can suggest or throw out for these people? so they so they go to the legitimate places. You know, you can find anything well, you want on the internet, but you want to right. make sure it's real.
3: <laughs> and, and again, as I mentioned earlier, pubmed.gov, is the repository that um, has 28 million citations of journals, online books. It is the gold standard for scientific literature. And when you go there to do a search, you can be sure you're getting it from peer-reviewed scientific sources.
1: Excellent. So that was pubmed.gov? So right. Want to make sure we got that right. Okay, excellent. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's that's wonderful. So, um, you know, we're going to be coming up on our break here in about five more minutes. So, um, let's kind of jump ship here again and kind of go back to this idea of Sharon. You mentioned you walked into a store, um, mm-hmm. or a dispensary, as you know, as they're called, I suppose. And Donna, how do we make sure if somebody is interested in doing this, they walk into a a dispensary? How how do they know that this is a safe environment, they're producing a quality product, and they're not selling something under the table? And let me tell you what prompts that question. I, I was sitting on an airplane coming back from California with this young man, um, and it's amazing what he was willing to just share with me. He told me that he had opened up a medical marijuana um store, dispensary in California. And he <laughs> he told me that at the end of every day, he takes whatever profits he makes. It's all money. He gets paid under the table. And it's all cash. And whatever money he makes, you know, profit, he just writes it off at the end of the day and calls it expense money. And I said, so where is that money? He says, oh, here and there. And you know, I, I question that kind of, of behavior, and I'm I just afraid that this kind of an industry, because it's still new and there's still so much controversy around it, that it pulls people like that on occasion. How do we make sure we're not going into a place like that? What do we look for?
3: Well, as far as the money issue, that that is a problem because... Dispensaries have no banking mechanism, but that does not necessarily mean it is a slipshod operation in other respects. And so when you as a consumer walk in and you know nothing, you are relying on the person behind the counter for advice. And one of the key issues and one of the key questions that people should be asking in terms of product safety is, is this product been tested? Now, one of the challenges, again, is that testing for um, not only potency of the product, but testing for um, contaminants like mold, pesticide, you know, the same things that we would be concerned about in our food supply, we should be asking those questions about the cannabis that we're buying. Now, Hmm. the regulations vary state by state. Some states require testing. Others do not. The really quality dispensaries will have products that have been tested and they will be able to provide you written results if you ask for it. And if they can't produce those results, I would go shopping somewhere else. So okay. that it makes is, sense. It that up- makes sense. Right. So, you know, if you, if you're not getting what you ask for, then, then you take your business somewhere else, but do know that that the quality dispensaries will have tested product, edible producers who are really doing their job well will be selling uh, edibles that have been tested, and that information is available um, at point of purchase for the consumer to take a look at. You may not understand everything that's on that piece of paper, but knowing that it's been done, and and as you get into this more and more, you know, you get better educated, but, but Those are the kinds of questions you need to ask when you walk in the door.
1: Yeah, that's, you know, because sometimes I think we're drawn by the look of a facility. You know, it's pretty and it's everything's under glass and it's convenient (laughs) and it's, you know, it's beautiful. So we have this sense that beauty means it's legit. And that's not necessarily true either then from what I'm hearing. It's, It's really the quality of the product, the testing and all of those things. Is that right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. Okay, good. Well, we are down to one more minute before our next break. So is there, on all these things we've talked about so far, and we're going to save the last segment for you to tell us about your um, your academy and what people can learn by, you know, investigating that. So before we go out to break, just real quick, um, actually, we only have 30 seconds left. What the heck? Let's just go out to break and we'll, we'll pick it up on the other side. So we do want to thank you for staying tuned with us and hang on for a couple more minutes and we'll be right back. Thank you.
3: Step into a healthier you. Voice America
0: Health & Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today.
4: When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states, giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance. No one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless.
3: Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of
2: natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health & Wellness Channel.
3: Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show.
2: Welcome back. We've been talking to Donna Shields, who's the co-founder of Holistic Cannabis Network. And Donna, we've been talking a little bit about, you know, treatment symptoms and, and using cannabis to help us with those things. And I know sleep or sleep deprivation has <laughs> always been a problem, you know, whether it's the worry that we're dealing with um, during a cancer uh, treatment diag- uh, diagnosis and treatment time frame or, you know, just the whole menopause stuff that we go through. Um, so does, does cannabis help with sleep? Oh, absolutely!
3: Um, actually, uh, in, insomnia is is one of the top three conditions for which cannabis is is typically used. Uh, pain, uh, insomnia, and anxiety are kind of the, the big three. So, okay. yeah, um, it's it's very helpful um, for inducing a restful sleep. And what's typically works best for people is about an hour. Hour and a half before you're getting ready to go to bed is to take a small amount of an edible, not smoking or anything. Now, an edible works is metabolized differently in your body, so that it uh, the onset of it is it takes longer. You know, when you smoke something or vaporize it, the it's more of an instantaneous effect. So because edibles are metabolized through the liver, it comes on a little more slowly and as you're getting ready for bed, you know, you should be turning off the screens, no cell phones by the side of the bed, you know, making that room prepared for a restful environment and many people find that by using an edible an hour or so before bed, it helps really relax, slow down and maintains a restful sleep through the night. So, you know, you're not looking to get high. Um, And again, this I'm I'm talking about a very small quantity. And for most people, again, everyone's tolerance level is different. But for someone who is brand new to this and says, oh, you know, I think I'm going to try an edible before I go to bed, the dosage amount probably is something as small as 2 milligrams. So that's a very small amount, and that's all you need. And I and I think one of the messages for people to understand in using cannabis in general as a therapeutic tool, less can be more. We are not yes. talking about needing large amounts. So mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. the and I and I think that's a, an area where people, you know, have a bad experience and they say, "Oh, I'm never going to do that again." Well, they use too much. So just start
2: out uh, yeah. very little. In
3: that fact, when I went
2: into the um, dispensary that I mentioned and had this conversation with the manager, he, he was actually talking about that, how how important it was to just take a little tiny bit and then kind of assess what it did or didn't do and then if you right. need a little bit more have a little bit more the next time you know sort of thing so again it's kind of a trial by because we're all different weights and sizes and our, our it, things metabolize at different rates and all those different things so um, that makes complete sense um, yeah. when, when you, you think when you brought that up
1: when you think about it too you're you're talking about using a natural herb to fall asleep instead of some chemical that's you know, yeah, I mean, I'm not, how can one be more harmful than the other? So I, it just makes perfect sense to me that you would use a natural herb to do that. Just, yeah, I'm loving this conversation. This is a real eye opener, you know, not only for me, but I'm hoping for all the people that are listening and doubting and questioning all that. So Right, yeah. and, yeah.
3: you know, and, and so that, you know, we are just scratching the tip of the iceberg here. And so for people that really do want to educate themselves more uh, about this and and of course everyone has family members that are dealing with other kinds of health conditions from arthritis to fibromyalgia and and you name it where cannabis may be a useful tool um you know we have a number of educational components that are really designed to be very user friendly for for the newbie who is just getting into this and so that's really what we're trying to do is you know is is educate and empower people.
1: It makes complete sense. Yeah. So that's it great. Really does. Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny because I, I've been out of treatment now for years. As I'm sure many of our listeners have been out of treatment for a long time. But the one area I still struggle with and which is why I'm really glad we brought this up here at the end, is I have a hard time sleeping and I end up taking those sleep aids that are, you know, like aspirin based or, you know, sedamenophil based and, you know, you take two of those a night, and I can't imagine that's helpful to me. So, even though I'm years out, there is still some medical benefit for someone like me to do something like this.
2: Well, Absolutely. and also just like the the pain that you have around your neuropathy, your toes, those oh, yeah. kinds of things. Yeah, You know, we get anxious, you worry. You know, we, we all have our, our issues that we deal with, right?
1: We're, worry so me? You think you I worry? worry? <laughs> Ask my kids.
2: Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so I think I think again, this has um, some really um, important medical benefits for all of us, and if we can just, you know. Like the whole inflammation thing, I had no idea that that was a piece of um, this puzzle. But again, um, we've been talking to a lot of nutritionists on our show and learning more about how important that is to keep the um, inflammatory nature of what we're eating and all these different things can make a difference in our health. And here, this is another option to help with that condition. So that's great. It's wonderful. So, so w- when we're talking about educating ourselves more up, you know, on this subject, obviously the academy that you came up with sounds like an amazing um, way of of educating our practitioners and our and our uh, and the patients. Why don't you tell us more about that?
1: And Donna, we have yes. we have quite a few minutes left, so go ahead and just.
2: Give okay. us everything
1: you got, okay? We'll cut okay. you off when we run out of time.
2: <laughs> well, we, we actually
3: have, have two program options right now. The Academy is what we consider our deep dive, uh, and that is launching, actually, September 6th. Uh, classes will begin, and this is all online for people to do at their own schedule when it suits them. And this is a uh, a two-pronged approach There is um, a full 32-module program designed for the practitioner, uh, both uh, very heavy science-oriented and then also some business-building tools for the practitioner to understand, well, you know, how would I start incorporating some of this cannabis information into my practice and how do you talk to patients about this topic? So there's a whole practitioner learning path. And then we have a learning path geared for the patient, for the caregiver, so that's not as, uh, long, um, in duration. That's 15 modules. Uh, but again, all delivered online whenever it's convenient for you to, to do. And, and we've done this with, um, faculty that we have recruited from around the country, people who are the top experts, uh, whether they're researchers, clinicians, uh, an ethnobotanist, an edible producer, an attorney, um, we're looking at uh, some of the ancient uses of cannabis in the field of Ayurvedic medicine. Because let's not forget, cannabis has been around for thousands of years. It was used by ancient cultures. And so we we're trying to get people to understand that. This is not a new thing. So mm-hmm. the, the Academy, um, uh, all of the modules and all of the description about that, can be found at HolisticCannabisAcademy.com. So there's all the information about that program and if people are interested, how to register and and get wired into our group. Um, We have the ability for people to opt into our newsletter. We do a weekly uh, communication called Healing Tuesday where we have blog posts uh, on all kinds of therapeutic cannabis topics. Uh, so I, I would invite people to at the very least to uh to sign up for for that so you can stay in the loop of what we're doing and then the other option we have is the holistic what uh was the holistic cannabis summit uh we did an online summit in April with 28 speakers and we had 16,000 people tune in wow. to listen over wow. four days so the proceedings from that are available for people to purchase for online or a flash drive, and so that's holisticcannabissummit.com. So that's another way for people if you want to start getting into the into the information and and start listening on on all and all those topics and those speakers are all still visible on that site. So now that summit has been packaged um, for online access or or for a flash drive. So so we have a lot of options for people depending on, you know, where they're starting from. Uh, if you're already into this a little bit and you want to go deeper, you know, then the academy may 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 be the right place to, to jump in. So, and of course, you know, I'm always happy to, um, when people email in and they have questions about, well, should I do this? What's right for me? You know, we try and guide people. Uh, as best as possible into the program that we think is is the right
2: fit for them. Right, right, well that's great. I know the very first conversation, well, I guess maybe it wasn't the first conversation because we had that conversation with the mayor of Tiger. Remember that? Mickey, oh, we I were do, definitely. talking about how is he going to manage this new law that came into effect? And um, But with uh, Dr. Um, Kalashak um, at Compass, we had a conversation with her on the radio just a couple of weeks ago, and she is very much about palliative care and care. Um, and so we actually had quite an interesting conversation about adding uh, cannabis to her repertoire as well. So it is amazing how it is starting to um, be mainstreamed, if you will. Um, and and again, I think the biggest thing is making sure people are educated and they they can um, you know not not be afraid of this like you said it's not a new it's not a new product but but we've kind of like misused it i guess for quite a while <laughs> not being well, legalized until right it's
3: it's really been because of our political um legislation in this country it it has been demonized into the drug category and exactly. when i say drug i mean in a bad way um yeah, right. so that, that is really the only reason why it, it hasn't become uh, before now why it hasn't become part of our part of our healthcare toolbox, which is where it belongs. So right. um, as, as people get better educated, um, and again I you know we have seen in many areas change comes from the ground up. So patients are driving this. They're saying, I you know, I've looked into this. I think it's right for me. I want to try it. And, you know, the reality is no one has ever died from cannabis. You know, there's no toxicity. There's no danger per se. And so it is really a, a safe thing for someone to try. It may. It's not for everyone, certainly. And there are some instances and there are certain mood disorders, as an example, where it's not appropriate. So I am not saying at all that it's a panacea for everyone and everything but it is something that for many people you know it's worth investigating. Yeah,
1: well Donna this great. is this has been a phenomenal program today and you know I was just kind of re-reviewing one of your one of your bio points you are also you also authored a cookbook I mean you, you're a very interesting lady. <laughs> well so
3: actually I was <laughs> Yes, there's. Um, it's called the Cannabis Kitchen Cookbook. It's a beautiful four-color uh, hardcover cookbook. And there were 10 of us chefs, and I used to teach at the Culinary Institute of America, so I have a food and a nutrition background. So there were 10 of us from around the country that collaborated on uh, contributing re- recipes to this book. And one of the things I like about it is they are health-focused re- recipes. This is not about pot brownies. So the recipes are delicious. They're beautiful, and and they use ingredients that you know are good for you. So, and actually, when when people buy. Um, our, our summit in the upgraded package version, they get a signed copy of that cookbook as, as well awesome. as a bonus.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Well, you know what? We are out of time. I hate to say, just can you give us the web address one more time, how people can reach you or how they can buy yeah. your cookbook? We have like 12 seconds. They,
3: they can reach us, HolisticCannabisAcademy.com or email me at info at HolisticCannabisNetwork.com.
1: Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Donna, for being on our show today. You've been an excellent guest. I'm so sad we're out of time. But we will be back next week. And until then, remember, there is always hope, and we're here to help you find it.
0: Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio.